0: Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. I'm Erin Summers, joined by John DeShazer. We are reviewing the game from yesterday, the Saints Giants overtime loss for the Saints. It was a lot of fun being back in the Superdome. The fans were great, the black and gold. Everybody was loud, and I think it definitely helped. Just the energy. What did you feel like being back in the dome, John?
1: I mean, I've, I've had a couple kind of you know comeback games. You know, I was there for the Katrina comeback game. Obviously, this doesn't compare to that, and it didn't compare, I guess, to a playoff atmosphere. But you know, everything else was about as as high a expectation and, and higher realization of fan involvement as you can as you can have in the, in the Superdome. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. Um, unfortunately, they didn't get what they wanted. Nobody Saints related, did, <laughs> but. I mean, it was great to see people back in there because last year, being in there with a limited number—I think we got up to maybe 3,000 max at some point last season. Um, You put that that amount of people in the Superdome, and it's just not a home field advantage. Now, you know, fortunately, people were able to attend, but man, it's just not the Superdome. But yesterday was what you recall of the Superdome being in terms of a home field advantage, and in terms of fans just loving. Uh, a team and and for them to be away for a month that made it even more so so it was it was great to be back in and great for that atmosphere
0: it was definitely fun to see 70,000 strong like I said it was loud in there and of course the Saints will be at Washington and then they'll have a bye week coming up they won't be back in the Superdome again until that Halloween game October 31st which I can't even imagine taking the Superdome as it is, and then putting it on a Halloween game. All the costumes, the crazy paint, all that stuff that we were already seeing Sunday, it's just going to go up another notch. So looking forward to that one for sure. But first, we just want to bring in NFL Network's James Palmer. He's going to be our guest today and help us break down this Giants-Saints matchup. James, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Saints podcast today. You are back home, settled after the game. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I mean, they bumped me up the first class. I guess that's the quality of uh, traveling around. And it was a nice, comfortable feel after a very uncomfortable Superdome, I'll say. <laughs> I'll say it's a different <laughs> vibe than I had inside the, inside the stadium.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of energy. The fans were great. It was loud through the first quarter. And nobody could get anything going offensively. What were your just biggest takeaways from that game?
2: Yeah, let's start with right off the off the bat and the way both teams were playing in the beginning of the game. I think what we saw out of the Giants and what we know about this Saints defense and how good they actually are, it wasn't surprising to see the Giants' first couple of drives kind of stumble, right? But it was, you know, I was curious about the play calling with with the Saints' offense in the first portion of the game. I think they were really, you know, really conservative. I'm kind of curious about how much of that is is, is Sean being – you know, you know, thinking about making sure the mistakes aren't made by Jameis because obviously that's been a, a track record of his. This is the first time though he hasn't thrown back to back uh games without an interception, I think, since like 2018. So that's that's a that's a positive for him. But I thought the play calling early on was just kind of really conservative, nothing really, John, right downfield, mostly kind of just side to side things. And and I and I was kind of curious the way things were going to be coming out of the half, and I thought the play calling changed actually after halftime. And you saw the Saints get a little more aggressive. You saw Taysom, what he was able to do, and Jameis able to try to go downfield a little bit more. But to me, honestly, and we'll talk about it, the biggest surprise was the way the defense for the Saints played in the second half. You know, you didn't think you'd see Daniel Jones go out and throw for, I think, 203 yards in the fourth quarter and overtime. I mean, that's a ton. And and those are big plays. And those big plays are kind of what did them in in the second half. That was what stood out to me. Conservative offensively in the first half given up too many big plays in the second
1: half. But for a moment in time, Daniel Jones looked like the best quarterback in NFL history. I mean, it's it was, the best game I think was, he played. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was as good as he has ever been. Uh, uh, but to mention the Saints and some conservative conservative play call, and, and it, it did appear as if it was, you know, just don't lose it here. And, you know, we've heard Sean Payton mention in the past, you know, how to win a game that day. And sometimes you got to outscore people and sometimes you defend them. And yesterday, it seemed like when it came out time to outscore them, they just didn't have it in them. They just couldn't find that new notch. And, you know, did did it seem like, you know, offensively they've ever got into a good flow?
2: Yeah, and I think John the issue with that is if you go in with that mindset. And I don't want to say Sean did, but I think when you look at the Giants, oh and three, they're banged up at the receiver spot. And you're going, well, I mean, as long as we don't make mistakes, I mean, guys on this team are very open to say that this year's formula, you know, guy talked to Malcolm Jenkins at length leading in this game, like play great defense. Make sure you have drives that stay on the field. And if they result in field goals, that's fine. We think with special teams is usually a positive with the Saints. That wasn't the case. But special teams and defense and sustainable drives, you can win a game, And especially when you look at your team that you're going against in the Giants. I think maybe going in, you're going in a little conservative of how you're going to win it. And then it's hard to just turn it on in a game sometimes, right? Go, oh, dang, well, it, what we came in thinking, we might just be able to manage a win. And obviously, Sean has talked to Jameis about winning games different ways. And then you go, whoa! well, they, they've, they've hit, you know, this is – I think Eli was the last guy to throw and it was several years ago, have two touchdown passes over 50 yards in the same game. And then when you hit that quick, you go, Oh, now we got to turn it on. You saw it forced a little bit right after the Kenny stills Mm -hmm. touchdown gets called back and you force it downfield right away with that next play with James, with uh, Taysom throwing the interception. I think that's when you're like, you, you didn't get in the groove early. And then you try to force it. And I think before we started, we were talking how odd this was like, Alvin Kamara didn't have a target. I mean, like that. It, this was just a kind of an odd game, the way it played out offensively. I think he earned every yard that he had on the ground, though. I'll say that. I mean, he worked his tail off to, to get over that hundred mark. I think he had to really battle for those. So it was just it was just an odd game, the way it started. And then sometimes you can't just get into that groove when you want or have to when you see the way the game plays out.
1: Now you mentioned odd. He, he, Alvin didn't get a target. Saquon Barkley obviously did. Did he look pre ACL tear on some of those plays, especially the long reception, the long touchdown, because he looked at, uh, he looked about as good as he looked in a while.
2: He, he really did. He really did. And I, and I don't want to fault Marshawn Lattimore because I mean, that's one play. He's still one of the best corners in all of football. But I think everybody's thinking that that's not the route Saquon Barkley's going to run, uh, yeah. where you get aggressive and go downfield with him there. And I, and I you know, obviously, I, I don't know entirely where the miscommunication happened. Both guys kind of went down for the shorter route, but it, it was, it, he did look like that guy. And I spent the end of the fourth quarter and overtime on the field. So being up close there, and especially the way they used him in that, in that final drive of overtime, or the first, their first drive of overtime, but that one drive. He, he looked like he moves like, you know, like, like we've seen in the past. In the early portion of the game, I think everybody was going, man, they're bottling him up, right? I mean, yeah. he was drilled at the line of scrimmage. Gang tackling was the big mantra that they had. They wanted to make sure he stayed between the tackles. That's what I was told repeatedly to make sure he didn't get out in space. So I think it was smart of the Giants to go, well, if he can't run out there because he was having a hard time bumping things outside, let's line him up out there and see if he can do something in space. And, and that, was, that play to me – was the game right there I mean when you have a one play drive for was it 59 yards or, or whatever it is yeah. you know the beat reporters for the Giants were just I was following on Twitter they're like we just punted from the 47 <laughs> down 11 with like nine <laughs> and change to go we just kind of essentially gave up on this game but then when you have a big play like that that's what really yeah. really changed the game when you don't take any time off the clock and put up seven or eight I guess
0: well, and that's what the conversation was after the game for the Saints, Coach Payton and the players saying that they gave up too many of those big chunk plays, those explosive plays. Why do you think that was? I mean, they just continued to kill the Saints as the game went on with that long ball.
2: Yeah, and it was interesting because, like, you know, Shepard's out. He's their leading receiver. I think Gallaudet right. played well. You know, John Ross comes in, and when you have a player that can stretch the field, I think that's what every team needs, right? When eventually you can stretch the mm-hmm. field, then you got to cover more in space. And and I think with a guy like Saquon, that was so much of the focus. The saints like to play that seven and a half man box, right? So where they can maybe not sneak into the box too much and still be able to go out and cover everywhere that they'd like to do. I think there's still a little bit of creeping in when it's Saquon Barkley and the type of runner he is. And I think that affects you in in, in how you handle the big plays. But I think the issue, I think Malcolm Jenkins said this after the game, it's, You can can survive some of the big plays if you make the plays in between, I think you said, right? And I think that's important because there were some missed tackles and there were some issues there. And I think they didn't really finish the way they played in the beginning. And I'm not entirely sure what changed. I think, like you said, like Daniel Jones played the best game of his career. I mean, he's never averaged over 10 yards a pass in his career. He did that. He's never had over 400. He had that. And I think not getting pressure on him Allows you to have big plays. I mean, when you don't sack Daniel Jones, and I think when you're as long and as talented as you are up front, like the Saints are, you should be moving him off his spot and he should be hurrying up right And So that's the biggest thing. He shouldn't have the time to get to let those big plays develop, but he had the time and they started, I think, getting confident in the second half, knowing that he wasn't going to be under pressure. We can run some things that maybe take a little bit longer to develop.
0: You talked a little bit about the quarterbacks. What about Taysom Hill? He was in at quarterback a couple of times, but his ability to run and especially at the goal line, breaking like seven tackles for a touchdown there. How did you like his usage in this game?
2: Yeah, that was remarkable. I mean, I think Sean <laughs> will probably take back what we talked about, throwing him in right after the deep ball with, with Jameis. I, I think that was maybe kind of just being aggressive and in the moment a little bit, maybe if you take a beat, you don't do that. But in the red zone, I think we're seeing that, I mean, one place and they've talked so much guys right about making sure we don't turn the football over and making sure. And and Jameis obviously has an issue with that. He's had an issue in the red zone, with that. If you're limiting his chances for mistakes and and that's the guy you're putting in, like, Mm -hmm. I think it's a pretty decent recipe for success. The way he runs the football down there. I mean, it's, it's so many different ways you have to cover the field when a player can do that. And I don't want to compare him to Lamar Jackson, very different players. But when you get in the red zone, it's so hard to guard the Ravens because there, there's the threat of throwing it, and there's the threat of one of the best ball carriers on the field has it in their hands. And, and I think that's why you have to just – you know, you have to have a, a, a really hard approach going against Taysom in that. In that. But if he's going to break tackles like that, I don't, I don't know how you stop it. That was one of the most fun runs I've seen this season, the one that went to the corner where he spun and still stayed up <laughs> and, and got into the end zone. That was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, he spun around, and I don't think he even realized where he was. And then he was like, oh, the goal line's right here. But, but James, do do the Saints appear to be working with a a sustainable model? They won two games uh, basically that way, you know, conservative offense, uh, great defense, and basically were ahead for three and a half quarters in this one. Uh, with the conservative offense somewhat and and pretty good defense. Is that something that they will be able to to maintain and carry forward and be successful with?
2: I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, the one thing that that jumps out at me, John, is kind of – you remember the 2015 Broncos where obviously they had Peyton Manning. Jameis Winston is not Mm -hmm. Peyton Manning. But that wasn't Peyton Manning either. I mean, that was a shell of who Peyton Manning is – I think he threw nine touchdowns and 18 picks in 12 games that year. But what you had was a really, really sharp mind, right? To always get you in the right play, always get you, you know, they ran the ball pretty well, but that defense was stellar, right? One of the best, maybe one of the best we've seen mm-hmm. that, that was the question with that team. Cause I covered them a lot that year to where is this sustainable to win games? Because sometimes you're going to have to go throw it. And he couldn't, and he, I, I, I mean, I'm not being rude about Peyton Manning. He'll be the first one to tell you it's why he retired after that year. Like he couldn't, he couldn't get you out of, out of a hole. And that's the concern when you use this formula. I mean, I think the other concern that everybody has going in is there is so much reliance on Alvin Kamara and, and can he handle this workload um, his physically and, and, and the, the focus that he has. I mean, to me, like the fourth down call, uh, on fourth and three earlier in the game, like I I feel like everybody in the stadium knows it's going to Alvin, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to find ways to utilize other players and to utilize, you know, Jameis and and maybe they're bringing him along, right? And and, I mean, this is the most yards he's thrown in a game. It's the most passes by one. I think he's in 23 Mm -hmm. is now as high for for a game. I think you might have to test it and see if there's some, you know, some ways you can make sure you pick your spots. And I think Uh Jameis said it best where, when I do have the opportunities, we have to capitalize. And, and the case in point is the Kenny Stills touchdown, right? Like when you do take your shots and you, ca- and you, have, to, you have to capitalize because they're limited, I don't know if it's sustainable. And I think that's what they're going to try to figure out because that 2015 team I brought up in Denver, that's one of the best defenses ever. This is a really, really good defense. But that's one of the best defenses ever. It's a, little, it's a little bit different. The pass rush was there with DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller. This group up front, I expected them to get there on Sunday. I, I'm not entirely sure why, why they didn't.
1: Yeah, that was one of the big, big surprises uh, from the mm-hmm. game. Blind by its pressure. Now, James, we talked to you earlier off camera. Um, and you told us you will not be at a venue this weekend. You know, the NFL Network will have the London game, and so you guys will be scattered to and fro uh, doing your own personal things probably. Uh, but when you're not at a game and you're doing something else, do you kind of get, like, like vibes of being at a game? I mean, do you, do you admit <laughs> you're not at a game?
2: <laughs> oh, I, I hate it. I hate not being at a game because one of, one of my favorite things of being at games is, is actually pregame. One of my favorite moments of the week is, is standing on the sideline for those, you know, five hours or whatever it is, right up to kickoff, standing there doing doing stuff for NFL Network. Because all the guys you talk to and interact with, you're, you're just – you're getting that buildup of the entire week, and it's the final, like, cherry on the top, right? You've been doing so much work on your game, calling people from both teams all week. And then, like, it's like that slow buildup right before kickoff when you're getting to talk to, you know, coaches and players that you know – really well and so yeah it's a weird feeling not being at a game like my wife is like she's she always like looks at me a couple of times kind of like you're, you're little are you all right and i'm like yeah i got red zone on i got the computer with another game i gotta i mean but this still isn't the same same feel so yeah it'll be weird it'll be one of the few few sundays i'm not at a game so it's it's odd but uh it's sometimes fun to to bounce around the league a little bit more uh outside of just being on twitter
0: yeah, you've covered several different teams already this year, been at different games. Anybody that's really stood out to you at, across the board in the NFL?
2: Chargers, and I'm excited to see them. I, I think the Chargers are, are the real deal. And I think um, I've talked with them a lot, and, I, and their defense is underrated in what they have. And Justin Herbert is just scratching the surface. I think we're forgetting that this is going to be his 19th game, I think, on Monday Night Football. They've realized they have an arm that can get anywhere with his mobility and throw it anywhere, and they stole that formula. I was told this directly from the Chiefs, uh, like, you know, with Mahomes and Tyree Kill. So I think they're the team that I don't think anybody's really paying attention. Like they're paying attention, but I don't think you're paying attention to like who Justin Herbert has at his disposal. Like the line is vastly improved. Lindsley's huge up front. Genslater, Slater, like. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Jared Cook, and you guys know about Jared. Cook. Like, man, like, don't sleep on that group of skill guys. Like, where could they rank in the league with a guy that you know just won Rookie of the Year? I think that is a team that we that I've had a, a bunch of fun covering, and I think that's why that division is just is bonkers with the way that Raiders are playing with the chiefs, obviously a perennial team and chargers, and we'll see what Denver's about, but those three just, man, I, yeah, I just love the chargers this year.
0: Yeah. It's definitely going to be fun to watch them throughout the season as more people are able to watch them on national platforms and (laughs) and see what they're all about. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to close this out with a little two minute drill, some random questions for people oh, to get to know you. I wasn't right? prepared here. Okay, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's no prep that you can do for this. I'm sorry. Yeah, no,
2: no prep, got it.
0: All right, what is your favorite number and why?
2: 14, wore it uh, in baseball. My dad grew up on the North side of Chicago, so he's a diehard Ernie Banks fan. So that's why I wear uh, wear 14. He loved Ernie more than, more than anything. And 14 was, was my number all through sports.
0: What is something that you just absolutely hate doing?
2: Hate doing? Oh, I I try to stay away from things that I don't enjoy. Uh, (laughs) So I mean, like, that's kind of a smart thing. Um, I I don't don't know, like hate. I'm not a big shopper or like grocery shopper. Uh, I don't like to like hit the stores. Like I I, I could get a small sense in my head, like, oh, I'm going to get a new suit today. Let's go to the mall. I'll go and be there for like, four minutes and be like and Nordstrom's and be like I'm not really feeling this and then just leave like just not a not enjoyable to look through racks of clothes is not really a thing for me I just
0: thought it's, of that yeah that
2: it's not amazing.
0: everybody's thing I enjoy yeah. it um <laughs> what's your favorite tv show
2: oh favorite tv show I they I'd say Ted Lasso right now that's the one I'm I'm you know I've just mowed through I think it's just awesome considering I mean let's be honest where we are at Climate-wise, in our country, a show that positive is just an absolute blast to watch. But I am excited for Succession to come back. I'm excited for Succession to come back on HBO. So yeah, Ted Lasso is my jam right now.
0: All right. When you're not working, what is something that you really enjoy doing?
2: Skiing, 100% skiing. That was the easiest answer in the world. Living here in Denver, we ski nonstop. Uh, it's kind of our family's thing. My wife's a snowboarder. I'm a skier. Little dude is shredding like crazy all over the mountain skiing is my getaway love to do it by myself uh and hike and do things like that so yeah skiing is definitely my my by far favorite thing to do
0: all right this is the last one okay. what color is your toothbrush
2: oh um the head of it or the entire tooth it's electric toothbrush it's black the top part is white and blue this is an odd questionnaire. do you get a lot of good responses because a lot this? of people
0: a lot of people don't really even just think about it right okay I mean you just have your toothbrush I was thinking and myself and I was like <laughs> I don't know yeah
2: <laughs> I think it's like blue the bristles are like blue and white See, you
0: don't and, even know
2: yeah they're like blue and white I guess yeah <laughs> I this one was a little off kilter from the rest there I'm not gonna lie to you. yeah I know. but uh did you learn more about me on the
0: toothbrush one
2: or the other ones
0: yeah I don't I don't know about that the suit one. Like-
2: yeah, definitely suit. the shopping the sewer, yeah. yeah yeah right now nah, I mean that's why my wife picks out my suits <laughs> that's smart well, anyway
0: right yeah I mean you always got to get a little fashion advice from somebody that knows got you to. best Women's right
2: perspective yeah uh, woman's eye for sure yeah she picks <laughs> out the ties yeah matches them up
0: perfect well thank you so much for joining us we appreciate yeah. the insight on the game yesterday We will be following you throughout the rest of the season and enjoy your semi-weekend off.
2: Oh, appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, John. Good seeing you guys in the Dome. Thank you, James. Always good to catch up with you, man.
1: Good to. Good talk.
0: Thanks again to James for joining us. Really fun getting to know him a little bit and get some insight on the Saints and what he saw from the sidelines yesterday in Sunday's overtime loss. John, anything that stood out to you about our conversation with James?
1: Yeah, um, really, you know, the, the, the two-minute drill with him was pretty was pretty cool. Um, and, and, you know, really not doing a game this weekend and, and the way he feels about it because, you know, I've, I've been there before. Now, you know, when bye week comes around, you kind of feel like you should be doing something, and you're not. And so, you know, I don't know how to handle idle time. I don't know how to handle free time anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I'm accustomed to it. So, you know, I think that's one of the things he was saying. You know, you just don't. You know, you don't know what to do with yourself when it's, there's a football Sunday and you're not involved. So I'm going to um, I'm gonna see if I can tighten that up in a couple of weeks because we have a bye week coming. And I'm, I'm going to try to enjoy it as best I can.
0: We do. First of all, we have Washington. Hopefully we can kind of bounce back again. It's been the every other for the Saints so far this season. So I know they don't say that they like to put two losses in a row. It's something they don't do. So we'll see how the team responds. Going this week into D.C. area and playing the Washington football team. As you mentioned, there's a bye after that, so we'll have to be without football for a little bit. But really looking forward to the rest of this week's podcast because we're bringing in uh, former Saints tight end Benjamin Watson on Wednesday, and then on Friday we'll really dive into that matchup against Washington so make sure you tune in on the app presented by Verizon or New Saints.com. John will be bringing you lots of features fun stories and everything throughout the week as well thank you so much for joining us today I'm Erin Summers he's John DeShazer have a great rest of Monday